0: It is great to be in the house of the Lord this evening, Amen. And uh, tonight, uh, well, the title of my message that I titled it is "When I See the Blood." And uh, we're going to be talking about the blood of Christ tonight. And uh, there's nothing more great or more or any anything more powerful than the blood of Christ, Amen. Amen. It's the blood that sets us free. It's the blood that, it's through the blood that we can be cleansed and be able to go home to be with the Lord forevermore. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, uh, you all can turn with me to the book of Exodus. Uh, Exodus chapter 12. Exodus 12. And uh, while you guys are turning there, I'm going to kind of go ahead and kind of get started because there's some verses I want to share Before we get to this point. But Exodus chapter 12 and then we'll eventually be getting into uh, verse 13. Um, So we know that tomorrow is Memorial Day. A time to observe and to honor those who have fallen for our nation. For our freedoms. But also... Like any day and every day as we should, we should also take time to honor Christ and what he did for us at the cross. Because it was because of the cross, we were able to get our nation. And so in John chapter 15, verse 13, it says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. There's no greater love than, than than that, and we see that you know in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the greatest love and gift we can ever receive, is what Christ did at the cross, and so. <clears throat> We see that the blood of Christ, it's through the blood of Christ that we can be saved and cleansed. In Hebrews 9.22 it says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. And I, I like what Charles Spurgeon says. He says that there may be some sins of which a man cannot speak. But there is no sin which the blood of Christ cannot wash away. In other words, that what Spurgeon is saying is that no matter what sin you've committed, it can be washed away. We all think that we're too wicked to get saved or we, God can't do this and God can't do that. Well, first of all, we shouldn't limit God to what he can or cannot do. That's a mistake on our, on our part. And secondly, let's take a look at the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul persecuted the church. He was a murderer. He was a thief. He broke the whole law. And yet he was one that had a zeal for the law. Bragging about how he kept the law and all this. He never kept the law. Not as a Pharisee. But you want to know something? On the road to Damascus, Christ got a hold of him. And he was a Pharisee. Christ got a hold of that Pharisee and guess what? He got born again. If God could do that for a Pharisee, how much more can He do that for anybody else? We are not to we are not we ought not to think that God can't save certain people because He can't. Um, and First John, chapter five, verse sixteen, it says, "If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life." for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. Now, we read that passage and we wonder what is that sin? Well, the th- the thing is we don't know what that sin is. There's probably a very good reason why we don't know what that is. And it's kind of going up to what Spurgeon said is that there may be sins of which man cannot speak. There're just we don't know what this particular sin unto death is. Most likely, and it could just be me, but it could be something that is done by a believer to a point where God says, it's time to take you home. I don't know. Uh, We don't know what this sin unto death is. And I really don't want to speculate on it, (laughs) if that makes sense. Um, In John chapter 1, verse uh, 29, it says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him. And saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. You know, this was right before Jesus was baptized. And right there, John was declaring, this is the Son of God who would be crucified for you. Because how was it that he was going to take away the sin? By shedding his blood and dying on that cross. But you know what the good news is? Christ is alive forevermore. Amen. He rose on the third day and went to be with the Father at the right hand. And he will come again to gather his people. Amen. And he'll come again to rule and reign on this earth. In uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. It doesn't say some sin. It doesn't say one or two sins. It says cleanseth us from all sin. And you see that the blood of Christ has that power to do so. We can't comprehend that. We may not understand it. The question is, do you believe it? Amen? Because that's what God says. Um, A.W. Tozer said, Only the blood of Jesus can cleanse us. Yet if we withhold ourselves from that blood, we will be unclean forever. And when you look in... Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4, it says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. You see, if if someone were to take a bull bull or a goat and try to offer it to God, he's going to reject it. You know why? Because Christ is already that perfect sacrifice. There is no more need for sacrifice because Christ is that perfect sacrifice. And what God wants is for us to trust and rely on Christ and to accept what he did. And at the end of my message, I'll get into the consequences of rejecting that. But the, but the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. Not on a permanent basis. You see, we see that in the Old Testament, but that was only to be a temporary measure. Because all the sacrifices, and even the stuff that, that, that pastors has been talking about on Wednesday nights, all that is pointing to whom? Christ. Amen. And so, Christ and His blood is the only thing that can wipe out all your sin. In uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 25, it says, Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. In Romans chapter 4 verse 7 saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. And they can only be covered by what? The blood of Jesus Christ. In Romans 6 23 we know this. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that gift came at a price. That price was the spilled blood of Christ and being crucified on that cross in our place. That that gift came at a price. It's not a free gift, but we can receive it freely. Therefore, it's a gift. But we see that the blood does not just save and cleanse, but also gives us protection. Now, here's where we're going to get into Exodus. Exodus twelve thirteen. It says, and the blood shall be a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. You see, God was dealing with Egypt, which is a type and picture of the world, or you could say it's a type and picture of sin. And God was going to send one last plague, which was to wipe out all the firstborn. And God instructed Israel, he said, you're going to take a lamb unblemished, and you can take its blood and you can put it on your doorpost. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. See, that's the, that's the Passover. But who does that lamb represent? That's Christ. Christ is the lamb of God. And that lamb that they sacrificed is a picture of Christ. You see that an innocent animal had to die to protect you from a coming plague. Think about that. Christ was innocent. He, there was no sin to him. He was, he was perfect and innocent. There was nothing wrong with him. And you know what? He willingly went to that cross and died and shed his blood. Why? So that our sin went upon him. So that our sin can be nailed and judged at the cross. But his righteousness came on us. So the righteousness we have is not ours. It is Christ's. Boy, that makes you excited. <laughs> so, but, but you see that we see that an innocent animal had to die for that protection. And Christ, his blood, can offer that protection to us. If we look down here in verse 22 to 23, it says, And ye should take a, a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood. That is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of this house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. You see the the, the two side posts that represents your heart. When you become born again and you trust Christ as, as your Savior. His blood washes you clean. Even the sins that you've committed, you previously commit and will commit. Now that doesn't mean that you shouldn't repent because you should. We ought to repent on a daily basis. But that blood covers all. You see, there's coming a time when when the wicked are going to stand before God at the great white throne judgment, and there's going to be books open. Those books, the things are written, the things that are written in those books are the, 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 the works of the lost. And they're going to be judged out of those books. You see, those weren't blotted out. You know why? Because they didn't accept Christ. But a believer, it will be his faith that will be judged, not his works. Why? Because his, because the blood of Christ had already washed that clean. So, it it's as if you never committed that in the first place. Amen. Isn't God good? <laughs> Woo! I'm getting excited. Um. <clears throat> Okay, so I want, to bring us our, I want to bring us to our attention to Joshua. Because we saw the Passover instituted, but guess what? We see another type of this in the book of Joshua. Bear with me, it's a little bit lengthy reading, so just bear with me, alright? Uh, Joshua chapter 2, verses 12-21. through 21. It says, Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have shewed you kindness, now, this is Rahab the harlot. Really quick. She basically took the two spies that Joshua sent to spy out the land and hid them. And when the when the guards came to, to inquire of these two spies, she lied and said, I don't know where she what where they went. But she hid them. Now it's not good to lie, but she had faith. And that faith protected those two spies. And so right now we're going to see what is going to happen because she protected those spies it says that ye will also shoot kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token and that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that have a all that they have and deliver our lives from death and the men answered her our life for yours if ye utter not this our business And it shall be, when the Lord hath given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a court through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourself there three days until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may ye go your way. And the men, the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread. You know what that scarlet thread is? That's a picture of the blood of Christ. Woo, I'm, I'm just getting started. <laughs> All right. So thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the streets, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the in the house, his blood shall be be on our head, if any be upon if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath, which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, According unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And she bound the scarlet line in the window. So basically, it was like this. You can't leave the house. You're going to bound that scarlet thread upon your house. No one is to leave the house. If they do, they'll be killed. You have to stay in the house. What did the what did Israel do? They stayed in the house with the blood on the lentils, right? That's what that's what they commanded uh, Rahab to do. You know, and I kind of wonder if this was an exa- they, they 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 took the example of what happened to their fathers in Egypt, right? I wonder if they took that example and applied it to this. You see what I'm saying? That that I could be wrong on that, but that it just Something to think about. Now, when we go to Joshua six sixteen to 23, it says, that it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets. Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city, and the city shall be accursed even it, and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye you make yourselves accursed when ye take of the accursed thing, and make the camp of Israel a curse, and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass, when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him. And they took the city and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country... Go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath, as ye swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren, and all that she had, and they brought out all her kindred, and left them without the camp of Israel. You know, you see that they had they, they put the scarlet thread on the house, and you know what everyone stayed in. So it wasn't just Rahab that stayed in, her her whole family stayed in. You know what that means? Not just Rahab had faith, but her whole family. You know, this reminds me of the account in Acts, and we'll get to that, about how the prison guard, he says, what must I do to be saved? He said, and, and Paul and Silas said, believe on Jesus Christ. And you and your whole household would be saved. You know, and, and, and that is what we see here with Rahab and her family. They were delivered because of faith. Amen. So in Acts chapter 16, verse 27 to 34, it says, And the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came in trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out saying, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Just like Rahab and her family. And they spoke upon and they spoke upon him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized he and all he and all his straight way and when he had brought them into his house he set meat before them and rejoiced believing in God with all this house amen so, We see that the blood of Christ offers, we can get protection from the blood of Christ. We see that plainly in scripture. We see that with Rahab. We see that even with, you know, Israel and Egypt. And we also see it with this man, this jailer. You see, this jailer, he already believed. That's why Paul and Silas said to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because Paul and Silas, when they they were in prison, they were worshiping. They were worshiping and praising God. And you know what? Most likely that jailer heard. And at that point, he believed. He just wanted to know how to become saved. And he did. He and his whole household. And that is a promise, even today, that we can have assurance of. But we need to pray. Amen. And commit it to God's hands because God will do it on his time. Now we see, let's get into how the blood gives life. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 4, it says, But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. And why is this? Because in the blood is life. Life is in the blood. And we'll see here in Leviticus how God said you're not to eat anything with the blood in it. In Leviticus chapter 17, verses 10 through 14, it says, And whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel, or of the strangers that sojourn among you, that eateth any manner of blood, I will even set my face against that soul that eateth blood, and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh... Is where? In the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar. To make an atonement for your souls. Remember, without the shedding of blood, there is no atonement. Amen. So there must be a shedding of blood in order to have an atonement. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Therefore, I said unto the children of Israel, no soul of you shall eat blood. Neither shall any stranger that sojourneth among you eat blood. And whatsoever man there be of the children of Israel, or of the strangers that sojourn among you, which hunteth and catcheth any beast or fowl that may be eaten, he shall even pour out the blood thereof and cover it with the dust. For it is the life of all flesh. The blood of it is for the life thereof. Therefore, I said unto the children of Israel, ye shall, not, ye shall eat the blood of no manner of flesh, for the life of all flesh is the blood thereof. Whoso eateth it shall be cut off. So we see that God is showing us that life is in the blood. There's life in blood. And it's because of the blood of Christ we can have life. And we'll get to that verse here in a moment. You know, Jesus said that whosoever shall eat my flesh and drink my blood will have life. But those who don't won't have life. And like I said, we'll get into that in a minute. And I'll just kind of explain a few things on that because there can be some misconception. Um, But first, in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 23, it said, Only be sure that thou eat not the blood, for the blood is the life, and thou mayest not eat the life with the flesh. Now, I will say, I'm going to, so the next verse here is John chapter 6, verse 53 to 56. Now, I'm going to read this passage, and it's going to sound like there's a contradiction. But there is no contradiction, because your King James Bible is perfect. And if it's not perfect, or if it has a contradiction, it means that it's not perfect. But that is not the case. Amen. Because your King James Bible is the only pure word of God that we have. Now the Jews at that time hated him for saying that, because they they I mean they knew the law. They said that God you know God told us not to eat anything with the blood in it. Now it may sound like a, like a contradictory, but Jesus is actually expounding on what God said, because what God said in the Old Testament was there's life in the blood, and who's Jesus? Jesus is God. He does not contradict himself. Now, does this mean that we literally have to eat his flesh and drink his blood? No, it's not talking literally. See, some people will take that literally, but it's not talking literally. Okay, this is what we're going to get into a memorial. Remember this morning, m- memorial? What's that? What does it say on this table in front? Do this in remembrance of me. Right. So we see this is not talking literally. What Jesus is talking about is communion. Now, that doesn't mean that if you don't take communion, you're not saved. But if you are saved, it is good to take communion. Why? Because when you're saved and you take communion, it is a time, it's a memorial to be taken seriously to show the Lord's death till he comes. And we'll get to that verse here in a minute, too. And we see that in communion, we have the bread and we have the grape juice. Now, I'm not trying to bash anyone, so please don't take it as that, but we are not Catholics. The Catholics believe that they have to say these magic words, and it literally becomes the flesh and blood of Christ. That's not, we're not in trans to there's nothing biblical about transubstantiation, but some people like to interpret it that way, and it's not biblical. When we partake of the bread, okay, that is a memorial and a representation of the broken body of Christ. When we take the grape juice, that's a, that is a memorial and picture of the, the blood that he shed. So we see that this verse here, we're not talking literal. It's not literal. Um, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 26, it says, For I have received of the Lord, that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when given thanks, he break it and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Which is broken for you. This do what? In remembrance of me. You see, Jesus is saying, Do this in remembrance of me. It's a memorial. It's like what Brother Charles talked about this morning. Communion is a memorial service to show what Christ did for us on that cross. Amen. And communion is a time of, it's a serious time. It's a time of reflection. It's a time of repentance. It's a time for reflection. Because you read later on in that chapter that some are sick and even sleep. Because they mishandle communion. And Paul had to deal with that. And that's why he wrote what he wrote to the Corinthians. (laughs) Because they were treating communion as some sort of meal. And it's not a meal. It's a memorial service to acknowledge that Christ had broken his body and shed his blood. Amen. If we misuse that, we are guilty of that. That's why communion is a very, very precious time. A very serious time. But it says here, after the same manner also he took the cup. When he had stopped saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it, and what? Remembrance of me. Twice does Jesus say, do this and what? Remembrance of me. So we see it's a, it's a memorial. A serious memorial that we ought to take seriously. Paul then says, For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do shew the Lord's death till he come. You see, there is power in the fact that Christ shed his blood for us. There is power at his death, but even more power in his resurrection. We worship a risen, living Savior, not a dead one. Aren't you glad for that? we got a living Savior in whom death could not hold him. The grave couldn't hold him. Because of that, he overcame. And you know what? Because we are in Christ, we can also overcome as well. Amen. Um, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26 this is one I kind of want to start winding down here and talking about the consequences of rejecting Christ and essentially rejecting his blood in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26 it says for if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin Now, that's a pretty scary verse. You might read that and say, oh no, like, what does that mean? Well, that verse, what that means is when you've got a lost person who has heard the truth, heard the gospel, heard the truth, but has rejected it. When when a person has heard the truth and yet rejected Christ and rejected what he did at the cross... Let me ask you a question. What other source of... What other source... Um, sacrifice of sin is there if they rejected Christ? There is no more sacrifice. You know why? Because Christ is the supreme sacrifice. The only sacrifice that God cares about. And the only one that he'll accept. So if you reject Christ, you reject... What he did, and you're turned over to a reprobate mind because, you know, and God can do that. He can turn people over to a reprobate mind because they they don't want to be saved. When you got people like that and they reject Christ and and his blood, there is no sacrifice for sin. You know why? Because they rejected it. What else is there? A bull and a goat? I mean, God won't accept that because the only one he will accept is Christ. You know what? Because Christ is perfect. He's that pure lamb without spot. He never sinned. He's that spotless, perfect lamb that kept the law in its entirety. Spurgeon had once said that morality will keep you out of jail. But only the blood of Jesus will keep you out of hell. So if you reject the blood, the very thing that will keep you out of hell, what other sacrifice is there? There is no more sacrifice for sin if you reject that. Last verse, and we'll we'll close. With all that we see, we see the truth here in John 14:6. Jesus said, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You see, it is only Christ and only the blood of Christ that we're able to gain entrance into heaven. Without Christ, we are nothing. It's really sad to see where our nation is going towards and we can all agree on that not saying that we wouldn't agree on any of the things i've said but what i'm saying is that we're all in agreement that where we're heading as a nation is not good but you know the thing is we deserve a lot worse for what we're guilty of and the fact that we're still here and still have the right to meet here is a miracle it shows you God's grace and God's long suffering because that's who he is. But eventually God's going to put his foot down and he's going to say enough's enough. And he is a holy God, so he will have to judge sin. Amen. He will have to. But you know what? This is why we need to get right with God. If my people, you know what? Let's, I'm gonna. If you all want to turn there, you can. Um, but Second Chronicles, uh, Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse fourteen. I promise this will be my last verse. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. It says this: If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will i hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land you know god is talking to his people he's not talking to a lost people he's talking to his people to his church amen if we can pray and repent of our sin god will god promises that he will heal and will forgive and heal the land amen and so if you, if no if there's an, if if anyone does not know Christ is very simple. Cry out to him, repent of your sin, ask him to save you. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation is very simple. We tend to complicate it, but it's very simple. You know, the thief on the cross. He didn't have to pray a special prayer. He didn't have to attend a church or denomination. He didn't have to say a rosary. He didn't have to take communion. He didn't do he wasn't. The thief on the cross was on his deathbed. He was dying. But you know what? He believed. You know why? Because he acknowledged that he deserved what he got. But Jesus didn't deserve what he got. And he believed. And you know what? The only thing he wanted was, Lord, remember me when I come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's all you have to do is believe. believe. But not just believe, but believe and put your faith and trust in him. Because, I mean, anyone could say they could believe, but yet, you know, just because one believes doesn't mean they're born again. Because even the devils believe and they tremble. The key thing is being born again and putting your faith and trust in him and what he did for you at the cross. Amen. That's how we get saved. So, but other than that, um, that is all I got. So with, with that